Hey, what's up all of you who are tuning in to check out our latest message right here online. Listen, it's going to be a great message and we hope that you enjoy, but even more than that, we would love to see you in person at one of our live weekend worship experiences. If you're not in our area, we want to encourage you to find a local church where you live because we just believe that we're no good alone. We're better together and you need family. So if you're not in our area, make sure you find a place where you live where you can attend a physical church and become family. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message and have a good day. system under which people are treated as property, to be bought, sold, forced to work. Millions. That's the number of slaves today. Billions. More money than you can comprehend. That's what's being made off of slaves each year worldwide. What if the land of the free is the home of the slave. For hundreds of thousands of people living here on American soil, on American streets, in American neighborhoods, this is a reality. We've been taught that slavery ended in 1865, but today has a different name. Human trafficking. People from other countries are being brought here to be exploited, and yet, the majority of traffic victims in our country are Americans. Many of whom are being exploited for sex. I need you to understand the average age of these victims is 13 years old. These are our friends. They're your classmates. It's affecting so many people in so many lives. What do we do about it? How do we help this? How do we fix it? You gotta know what's going on. You gotta see what's happening around you. You can choose to fight back. It stops with you. It stops with us. It stops with me. I really want you to give your undivided attention in just a moment to the presenters who are here. And I really thank the Lord for the privilege to be in the district and be able to work in the schools to where I could find out that there was a presentation at CF on human trafficking. This ministry is on the cutting edge. So if you're not willing to live there, you're going to be attacked back there. Oh, my if you're not willing to live up on the front line where this ministry is and you start kind of lagging behind, I promise you, just like, like the lions who prey on those that trail behind, you will be in serious trouble. Join us on the front line and be willing to do what it takes to rescue those who are in dire need. Amen? So the Spirit of the Lord is here this morning. Listen, I present to you 
an awesome, awesome moment in God's house, God's presence, God's people, and godly leadership. Miss Rainey is here. Her husband, Doc, is here, and they're coming. And I said, listen, forget this is a Sunday morning service. Break the bread, right? Break the bread. What does that mean? Tell it like it is. Don't tell it like we want to hear it, okay? Bring it. And I hope that you will sit there and at times maybe even respond. And if there are those that find moments of tears, you're okay. You're looking at a legit story, a real story. And listen, the Spirit of the Lord dropped it. That would be the Holy Spirit dropped it inside me the moment she finished her presentation at CF. It was like, make contact. And then I did what you do too. I gave him all the, all the reasons why I wouldn't be able to do that. And we wouldn't be able to connect. How many know that always interrupts the flow of the Spirit of God? How many know the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit? The moment he tells you to do something, and you go, and you start giving all that feedback, you're grieving the Spirit of God. Why would we want to grieve the Holy Spirit? I'm not supposed to teach today, right? Why would we want to grieve the Holy Spirit when there are broken people in need of us? Listen, I'll get out of the way. Ready? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When he tells you to do something, do it. We had dinner last Sunday over at Longhorn, right? And Brittany joined us, right? And God gave us some fresh revelation right there for the waitress, and I just broke it. I just broke it down, boom, and laid it right there for her. And she said, it's been a messed up two weeks. Just obey God. Turn to somebody and say, obey God. Miss Rainey's ready. You can tell she's ready to come off the sideline and take the center of the field. I'd like for all of us to stand and give Doc and Miss Rainey a big round of applause. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Thank you very much down yes a step down how many of you have ever ridden a motorcycle anybody how many of you ridden a bicycle how many of you have stuck your head out the window to get the breeze if you're falling asleep in your car all right so about eight years ago I had the honor of riding my motorcycle through the Ocala National Forest there was about five of us, and it was one of those days that were so humid, and it had to be like 135, 145 degrees. It was just hot. And so as you ride on a motorcycle, you look for the little bit of breeze. And when you find that breeze, you just sort of relax, and it just kind of comes through your whole body. And for the first time in my life, as we were riding through the Ocala National Forest, I fell asleep. Now, how many of you have ever fallen asleep on a motorcycle? It's not a good experience, let's just say. I fell asleep, and I woke up when my motorcycle was bouncing because it had gone off the pavement into the grass, and somehow God kept the motorcycle upright. My heart was like a 1,000 beats a minute. We just slowly came back onto the pavement and just kept going. And then I heard God speak. You know, you can't live your life like this. You're just floating along, feeling the breeze. Everything was great. You've been a pastor. You've planted churches. You were a missionary in Japan. 
It's time to stop being complacent. It's time to start taking a risk. And I truly believe in that moment, God said, we need people to be the hands and feet for Jesus. Not just talk about it, because we do great at that. Not throw money at it, because, you know, that's needed, and we're pretty good at that. But to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. Little did I know what God had in mind, but he knew what he was doing. He weaved Rainy and I together and allowed God We allowed God to birth through us bikers against trafficking. We had no idea what we were doing. We just had this incredible passion. And so an international ministry was born with the goal to eradicate human sex trafficking. And he placed Isaiah 61.1, or a modern version of Luke 4.18, before us as our mission. And it simply says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In other words, we were to be, we are to be, the hands and feet of Jesus. Do you know your life is priceless? Your life has no currency. Every single dollar is not worth your dignity. Pricing your body cannot define your identity. Avoid infinity and lift your own integrity. Human-figured minds myopic about their immoral lives. Why they can't just move away from these shattered lives? Shipments of humans treated like objects in exchange for a decent life. Selling minds and selling lives, ripping away dreams. Their hearts cold with hatred shifted their toes. And yet the truth remains untold. Equal in brain that drains the pain running through their veins. This is a new generation with less integration, with no future or inspiration. Intuition is not introspection. This freedom is taken for granted. Our minds are objected. You are not for sale. You cannot be bought and neither sold, for it is God that owns your soul. Remember God in all cases, every season for every reason, for God knows your life is priceless. My name is Rainey, and my life is far different today than I had ever dreamed possible. I stand before you today full of hope and possibility. I am the international vice president and co-founder of Bikers Against Trafficking. I am the primary addictions therapist and business manager of Sojourners Recovery and Wellness Center. I am a mentor for those like myself working to overcome the trauma of human sex trafficking. I'm also a mentor for youth through Family for Today. I am working towards furthering my degree in psychology. I am a friend, a wife. I get the privilege of helping to raise an amazing 15-year-old young man. 
and I advocate for others like myself who've been exploited through human sex trafficking. But some days are far easier than others as I will always battle with the trauma of my past. And it seems no matter how far I've come that it will always be a reality and a part of who I am. I'm not defined by it, but I can't run from it either. I stand before you today because of my desire to share with you the reality. And my intention is not for you to hear the unfathomable toxicity that made up my childhood or even my adult life, at least my earlier years. But my hope is that by you hearing my story through an unfiltered lens, that it brings you understanding patience, and grace, that it motivates you to do something as you encounter others like me, that it causes you to not wait for tomorrow, because for many, tomorrow never comes. Those of us that managed to survive the plight of human trafficking were not criminals or lost causes. We didn't ask for it or choose this life. We're human beings. We're not commodities to be bought and sold. I want you to realize that no matter what, don't give up on us. There's always hope. So what is human sex trafficking? Is it the kidnapped child handcuffed to a bed, stuffed in a cargo ship, the strung out prostitute, on the corner of the red light district soliciting the John to take into the back alley? Is it the high-priced call girl sitting in her hotel room checking her makeup before she answers the door? Is it what we see in the Taken movies with Liam Nielsen? No. It's a manipulation of self-worth. It's deception and fraud. Slavery was said to have been abolished in 1865. It's 150 years later, it's 2019, but we're still fighting for basic human rights. This isn't third world countries. It's not places where drugs and poverty are high. It's right here. Do you know how many men, women, and children have been beaten black and blue when we tried to run? To those who buy us, we are like meat. To everybody else, we simply don't exist. People don't just look past us, they look through us. Human trafficking happens in every culture, socioeconomic class, race, religion, and country. It happens in every state in the United States, in every city within those states. And it happens in many different forms. Polaris Project has identified 25 different forms in the United States alone. Yet it seems like we wait for the young girl to run out with her clothes torn screaming, help me, help me, I've been trafficked. Many of us have experienced abuse for such a large part of our lives 
that we don't even realize what's happening to us. We just think that it's normal, that he loved us, or that we were helping him out until it's too late. Frederick Douglass once said, I didn't even know I was a slave until I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. But for you, you can choose to be a part of society that lives in awareness and action. Or you can choose to remain blind because to acknowledge its existence is to be faced with an ugly truth that permeates our world. William Wilberforce said, you can choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. So today I speak because no one is stopping me. I tell my story because I matter and in the hopes that it can help others like me heal so that they may be believed and so that you have the opportunity to know that human sex trafficking is real. It may feel like it has nothing to do with you, but that's not true. For me, my journey to a place of hope was not an easy road. And as I take you back to those fateful days, I ask for your respect, not your judgment or your pity. I come from an Italian Catholic background. I grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood. I went to parochial schools. I was involved in after school activities. We didn't move around all the time. We didn't request government or social services, which probably would have shined a light on our dysfunction. My father was well respected. He was an active member of our church and community. Actually, everyone that met my father thought that he was an amazing man. But no one had any idea what my life was really like. It appeared like nobody suspected anything. And if they did, they never said anything. I was bruised long before I was ever a woman. But by God's grace, I was never broken. So my abuse by my dad began at the age of three. And this is where I'm going to change what I normally talk about. So I normally write out most of my story so that I don't have to relive the emotions and the memories that come along with it. So pardon me if I get really emotional on you guys. Because for me, when I talk about my trauma, I feel it. It's not just a memory or a thought that passes through my head. I physically relive it. So I write it so that I'm able to detach from it. But literally, when I was about three minutes away from here, all night driving up here, because we drove to Ocala last night, I kept saying to Doc, something doesn't feel right. And he kept asking me what it was, and I kept telling him, I, can't, I don't know. I'm just telling you something doesn't feel right. 
And we got up this morning and we were literally about three minutes from here and I turned the radio off in the car. And I said, I'm so mad at God right now. I said, he wants me to talk about the other part of my story. The part I usually don't touch because it's still kind of raw for me. So the trafficking by my father was from the ages of three to 17 and it just kind of went unnoticed. At 17, I ran away. I had no ID. I had no services. The stuff didn't exist back then. So I quickly ended up back in the cycle of human trafficking because when it's what you know, it's what you do. Ending up back in that cycle, I ended up with a man who was also active in church. I ended up marrying him. We were actually in leadership at our church. We were over top of the marriage ministry. So we led a marriage ministry. And on the weekends, he sold me for sex. When he wasn't selling me for sex, he forced me into domestic servitude and into labor trafficking where I had to clean other people's houses. All the while, everybody thought he was amazing. So I went from being trafficked as a child to trafficked as an adult because it's all I had ever known. I will always live with the memories. I will always live with the feelings. When you don't trust your gut, you risk somebody's life. So oftentimes we look at somebody and we think something and then we shake our head and we're like, no, not them. It's probably them. In leaving that church, in leaving that man, in finally getting away from it all, I was the problem. Not one single person supported me. Everybody supported him. Everybody supported my father. I was the problem. Why? Even when I spoke out, I was the problem. Because people don't want to deal with the mess, but yet we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. We have to be willing to get up. We have to be willing to get dirty. It's not enough to just put on our Sunday best. I'm going to let Doc talk for a minute so that I can collect myself. You know, we have this idea that there are certain places that are safe, right? We think, you know, school should be safe. We think the church should be safe. 
just last week in Orlando, right, there was a very powerful interdenominational ministry where one of the three speakers was arrested because he had been raping and molesting a child for years while he stood up in front of the community and proclaimed his great allegiance to God and to his fellow man. He was taped confessing to this child that he was a predator. And two days ago, he was granted bail, $700,000, because he said he didn't do it. But yet, he had told everyone he did. And everybody trusted him, and everybody wanted to trust him. He even had us on their show, and Rainey spoke about trafficking, and he was so empathetic. It can happen anywhere. It can happen to anyone, no matter young, old. To this day, I'm still haunted by flashbacks regarding certain smells, as well as cold floors which numb my bare feet. Many times panic will ensue when I find myself in a line of women, as it can resurrect the humiliating inspection lineups that I've had to endure, constantly being paraded before potential clients, lustful eyes examining and perusing before becoming another choice for a predatory customer. You can't imagine the experience that these forms of harm have inflicted on those of us who've been sexually exploited. My childhood was not a childhood. Growing up thinking that adults had sex with kids. But no human desires to be a part of this nightmare. Sorry. My father began to molest me for his own selfish pleasure. However, he quickly realized that by selling me, he could fill so many more of his vile needs. He didn't stop with incest. In the beginning, he would only sell me to what he said were friends, telling me that they were family because somehow that meant that they wouldn't hurt me. And sometimes they would ask how old I was, and when I would answer, they would laugh and say that I was the same age as their daughter or granddaughter. It always seemed creepy, but it never seemed to bother them at all. Even those that didn't ask had to have known that I was just a child. But all they ever saw me as was a prostitute. And once you see someone as a prostitute, you don't see them as human. As time went on, my father would trade me for other kids and possessions. It never mattered if I was sick, in pain, or even on my menstrual cycle. All that mattered was that I met my quota. On average, I would be sold between 12 to 20 times per night. There were no days off. 
There was a time when I would be sold to 25 different people in a night. They would pay to defile what remained of my already desecrated body. As a child, it would be from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m., and I would be forced to repeat the cycle night after night. It wasn't long before my spirit was crushed and nothing mattered. I didn't care if I was alive or dead. Each person more violent to my broken body than the last. At some points in my life, they averaged between $150 to $350 per hour. In a single year, they could make an average of $1.6 million off forcing me to have sex with other men and women. Over the years, I've been given drugs, alcohol, strangled, stabbed, tied up and starved. I was pried open, raped, and sodomized repeatedly. I've been held against my will, beaten, and left with no other option. And it all began at the hands of someone that I was supposed to be able to trust. My very own father. Throughout my childhood, the men that bought me daily were doctors, lawyers, businessmen, the local judge, and school teachers. And if I didn't comply, I would be taken underground and sentenced to various methods of punishment. I can actually remember starting junior high school and seeing the look on my gym teacher's face. I'll never forget the look on his face or mine, realizing that he'd bought me multiple times over the last two years, and now I was going to deal with him as a teacher. People have often asked, like, why didn't you say anything? But who are you going to tell? Who do you say something to when everybody's involved? Think about the area you live in. It's a rural area, right? Small. Everybody knows everybody, right? Who are you going to tell? Where are you going to turn? You feel like everybody's involved. You have to be the person to make a difference, to stand. If one person had been willing to step forward and make a difference in my life, my path to healing could have started so much sooner. But so often, that's not how it works. We want to take a person and posterize them. Look who I'm helping. And you can't do that. You know, running a nonprofit, so often, like, it's difficult to raise funding because. You can't parade them around and say, look how many people we're helping. You know, you can give a number, but there's, there's no, it's not like a puppy. 
You know what I mean? You help a puppy, you can show that off. Somebody who's dealing with this kind of trauma, like, it's taken years for me to be able to stand up and say, this is my story. And that has to be my choice. I would never ask anybody that we've helped to stand up and do what I do. And any time that I go somewhere to speak, somebody comes with me. Whether it's my husband or whether it's Sandra, who is one of our board members and one of my closest friends who know exactly how to help me come back down from the trauma that I'm reliving. Because it's not easy to stand up here. It's not easy to have all the eyes on you and people wanting to you know, ask questions. And sometimes I get asked some really inappropriate stuff. You know, where was my mom? She wasn't around, she was an addict. My dad had all of the access to me and no responsibility. My grandparents raised me, but they were old. They didn't know. I grew up in a small town just like this in upstate Pennsylvania. It's so easy to fall through the cracks when you're a child. Before I let uh, Doc share some thoughts, um, I have something else I want to read. It's a letter from a young lady who survived human trafficking. And before you ask, I wasn't drinking or dressing provocatively. I didn't flirt or lead them on. I left no indication of wanting any of them to rape me. I didn't even know what sex was. I was only a toddler when it all began. Now I have a few things that I would like to ask you to do. These things are highly important to me and they allow me to find strength within myself and hope within the world. You cannot even begin to imagine the feelings I have experienced as a result of being trafficked. The anger and disgust towards not only others but towards myself. A sadness that feels like it's going to steal my breath away and the fear. Fear is probably the most complicated one. Feeling afraid that you won't wake up and at the same time, being afraid that you will. The ethos of our society leaving the individual scarred by being sold for sex. Swirling with emotion, faced with the labels of victim and survivor. No longer an individual, no longer a person, unnamed. He or she is now only known as a victim or a survivor. Please stop referring to, <clears throat> to me as a victim. In my world, victims are meek. They never find their strength and too often they die, buried too far below the surface to ever be found, with friends and loved ones forever wondering what happened to them. I am not a victim. I am alive. I have survived an experience that I never thought that I could and that many never do. This is not to say that I was not victimized and violated, but through it all I was not some weak damsel in distress who needed a knight in shining armor to rescue me. I was not some poor helpless kitten stuck in a tree. 
I was trafficked and I survived. Please understand that if I must be known as such, the preference is survivor. This is not to say that a part of hearing that does not reinforce my victim mentality. To be a survivor, one must first have been a victim. I was not a victim. I was victimized. I maintained the strength within myself to survive in spite of the torment that I suffered. And when you stand to raise awareness yet look the other way in an effort as not to get your hands dirty with my pain, you too become a part of the problem. You paint me in a new light and remind me of how vile I am. Being sold for sex was demoralizing enough. It created far more emotion than anyone should ever have to deal with. It created a shift in my identity, but those emotions can be processed through with the aid of counseling, art, journaling, acceptance of the situation, the emotions, the pain. This is not to say that the shift doesn't feel permanent. There is this shift that I... There is this th thought that I was violated and now I must also be labeled. It's just not right. Have you ever looked up a synonym for the word survivor? The very first word listed is residue and then debris. So no, your labels don't help. And yes, I have survived something that no one should ever have to experience. But damn it, I have a name. We all have names. And I am begging you to please use them. Instead of labeling me, I am asking you to support me mentally, physically, and emotionally in a way that doesn't change who I am. While you may be well-intentioned, your labels are a constant reminder to me of what I have already experienced. Your labels show me that I will never be worth anything more than my past. And you, unintentional as it may be, reaffirm everything they told me while they violated, tortured, and sold me for sex. Please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. I do appreciate all the awareness and the people who want to help victims of human trafficking. Honestly, I do, and I cannot thank you enough. However, I do not consider myself to be a victim or a survivor, and in this I think that I can speak for myself and others like me. I was victimized. I did survive the tribulation of being trafficked, However, I have a name, and I would like for that to be how you know me. I have accomplished many things, and I will continue to accomplish many more. I am a thriver. We are all thrivers. There may be times when I need extra encouragement or a shoulder to cry on, but this is not to say that I am weak. For those who have survived a life of human trafficking are the strongest people that I know. Please stop inferring that you rescued or saved me. I'm not broken. I didn't need to be saved nor rescued. You may have helped me get out or assisted me in finding services after I got out. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. But in regards to being saved, I was somehow, beyond explanation, able to find the strength to survive, and that's how I saved myself. I got up every day and took a breath, and I just kept going. 
I didn't need to be rescued. What I needed was protection. And for far too long, no one ever offered that to me. You may not realize it, but every time you say that you saved me or rescued me, you only further validated the feelings of inadequacy that I already battle with on a daily basis as a result of being bought and sold. I realized that this was not your intention. However, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Please stop trying to cast out my demons and pray them away. I'm not possessed. I was trafficked. I was beaten, raped, bought, sold, used, abused, tortured, and violated to imply that I am demon-possessed and that prayer could take it all away only pushes me further from God. What I need is to heal and to learn about God in a gentle way. Through the years that I was trafficked, I called out to God repeatedly asking for him to save me and to make it stop, to make it go away, and it never did. And when you beat me over the head with the Bible telling me that the nightmares that I face are simply demons is bullshit. They are my memories. I have faced demons that you could never even begin to imagine exist. I have fought demons both awake and asleep for hours on end. My demons are real. But I am not possessed, I was violated. I have suffered severe trauma and scars were left in places where safety and protection were supposed to be. I am grateful that you pray for me, especially early on when I had no faith. And even now, I appreciate that you remember enough of my story to think of me in your time with God. But I fear that when you see me, all you see is a story forgetting that this was actually my life and not some fabrication made up on a girl's night out. Some of the men and women who have survived human trafficking are so traumatized that they can't even remember, and yet others remember every gory detail of their life. For those of us that remember each day we live, we experience something that reminds us of a part of our lives. For those that don't, they know that it happened, but they have no memory of any details. I'm honestly not sure which is better. But for each of us, whatever our journey, it's how our bodies and minds have learned to cope. For some, the memories are so far repressed, it takes years for them to be triggered, to have the flashbacks. For me, I've always known. I remember details of years on end but having the memories and experiencing them as flashbacks are different. When I experience flashbacks, my body goes numb. I get lightheaded and dizzy. My breathing gets really slow and I feel like I'm having a hot flash. My mind feels detached like I'm watching a movie that I can feel with all my senses. I feel completely hopeless and utterly helpless. What I need is to be encouraged, listened to, validated understood. I need to be loved and to learn how to love myself. I need to learn how to express myself and that I have the right to express myself. I need to feel accepted even when I can't express myself. I do not need judgment. So please listen to what I ask of you and stop labeling me as a victim. I'm so much stronger than that word makes me seem.
I have done so much more than just survive. I didn't get rescued, and I don't need to be saved now. I wake up every day proud of the person that I have become. I look at myself in the mirror and admire the reflection looking back at me. My name is Rainy. You know, it's easy to uh, go someplace, hear a story, and say, wow, that's a story, and you chalk it in your memory and you walk away. Sometimes we hear a story and we say, wow, you know, that happened to this individual, and we have empathy, we have sympathy, we feel. And some of you may share certain parts of the story with your own life. Sometimes we think it only happens to women or girls. And unfortunately, in our culture, it happens to many men and many boys. But it's not like no one likes to talk about it. But if you happened to be a male and something happened to you, you certainly aren't going to tell somebody about it. So it makes it its own living hell as well. Everywhere we have gone, God leads us to speak to one person. We come for that one person with no expectations, and we just share really what God puts on our hearts. It's not some show or production. It's just real, sometimes raw. We want people to understand God needs you, not just to hear a story, but to change the story. When I was three years old, things started happening in my life and there was no one there. You can't tell people when stuff happens. It just happens. When you have experiences that are far removed from your little brain and you just don't know what to do, it changes you. It mars you. Sometimes it creates a barrier and every relationship you try to have after that is now distorted. Unfortunately, so-called godly people can do very ungodly things. Whether you're aware of it or not, Satan is very, very real. And if you try to ignore the fact that he is real, he loves that. This past summer, a middle school teenager was being trafficked in Chieflin out of one of the hotels your little town, your little community. It happens everywhere. Statistically, one out of every 113 people is in danger of being trafficked around the world. One in 113 people. And we lose sight of it. So we would like to challenge you, not just to hear a story, but to be part of the solution to that story and many other people's stories. There's nothing wrong with saying, God has called me to win souls. And that's a great, and ultimately, that's the, the end all of everything. But for whatever reason, as long as God allows this world to exist, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be agony. 
And there's going to be people who God equips with his armor that are going to wade into the darkness and reach up and grab those bony fingers of Satan and start snapping them because you can make a difference because the Spirit's in you. You have the power to wipe away tears. You have the power to make a difference in people's lives. And you have the power to do absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. The task force that works against human trafficking in this area is not very strong. It needs a lot of people. It needs a lot of support. And when you fight this kind of war, it is dark, it is overwhelming, and you better be connected to God. Because you're going to need that strength to do this battle. But if you look around and know, statistically they know that most people who get trafficked are trafficked between the ages of 11 and 14. And their lifespan is simply seven years. My experience started at age three, and strangely enough, so did Rainey's. Age three. If you've been paying attention to the news, you knew there were people that were just having babies so they could traffic the babies because the price that someone will pay to have sex with a baby is astronomically. We lived in such a debased, deteriorated, evil, rotten world. And you're the light. You're the light. If you thought someone else was the light, you're wrong. You are the light. If you're not shining that light, no one's seeing it. God chose to work with you. For whatever reason, God brought us together for this day, for such a time as this. Not because it's going to be easy. Because he must think that some of you must want to fight. Hopefully not him, but you might want to fight and make a difference. So you can do that in many different ways, right? People always ask, what can we do? You can do a lot. The first thing is, trust your gut. Everywhere you go, if you see something and it just, there's like, well, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. The church I grew up in, my dad was the youth pastor. He ended up dying in federal prison because he was a very rotten man. But he was the youth pastor. One of the youth leaders died of AIDS because when no one was looking, he was doing other things. And if you walked in the hallway of the church, you would see him standing outside of classrooms talking to a bunch of kids, boys. And they should have been in the class, but they weren't. They were talking to him, and people said, oh, you know what, he's really trying to help them. He wasn't helping them. He wasn't helping me. If you see something, say something. Please don't ignore it. Better to be wrong than to ignore it because of the living hell that happens. There's a power in presence, your physical presence, right? If you are anywhere, Walmart, somewhere else, and you see something that just doesn't look right, you don't have to get right up alongside somebody, but just the mere fact that your presence is moving closer changes the dynamic. 
And in that moment, you've done something. Don't ignore it. Don't look the other way. Don't forget the power of your presence. Don't forget that gut, that spirit that God put in you, almost as a radar to say, well, that just doesn't look right. If you see something, on the back of the table, there's some shirts. If you want them, you have to buy those things. But the stuff on that side is all free. There's cards, information, wristbands. Those are free. On the back of the cards, right, is a very important two numbers. There's a nationwide toll-free number where they don't take information from you. It's non-governmental. It's a nonprofit that runs and that connects people around the world to get help immediately. And the number is 888-373-7888. But you can also text HELP, H-E-L-P, to be free. Text HELP to be free. And you can, anybody can do that. So if you don't remember anything else and you leave here and you see something or you ever need help, you can text HELP to be free. And it's the same resource, right? They instantly start to dispatch help to you. One of the hardest things we have, you know, people say, well, the state of Florida is number three in the U.S., and it is for reported cases that are called in. We know that there's roughly 1.5 million people being trafficked in the United States as of today. We know that 80% of them are U.S. citizens. We know that 68% of them probably are living at home while this is being done. So they're being trafficked by family members or friends of family members. That's the number one source. We would think, how could someone do that? But that is the reality. That's what happens. So because of that, we have people trying to make a difference. They try to find somebody. We get calls all the time from people needing a place to go, needing out of that life. But the reality is, around the U.S. and really around the world, there's no place to go. If someone was being trafficked and they came out today and walked into this church, and we've had people call us because that actually happened in churches. And so they call us and say, what do we do? And we try to call everybody because not one single place in this, in this United States that we have found will take somebody that walks straight out of that life and needs help. They all want someone to walk out of that life and then go to some place to be vetted for like 30 days. You know, we need a safe place. And then if they're safe and if we interview them and we think they qualify, oh yeah, then we'll let them in our program. But in the meantime, they're, like, they're not the ones doing anything wrong and there's no help. There's no place for them to go. One of the saddest things in history was the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. We look at the Protestant Reformation, which, which launched right, the evangelical faith. It came through that stream. And we think, oh, man, that was so great. Martin Luther, he nailed that thesis right on the wall. And, oh, whew, we're so glad. But if you read the history of the Protestant Reformation, there were hundreds of Catholic nuns who accepted Jesus as their Savior. What do you think happened to them? They couldn't live in a Catholic convent, so they were kicked out. Well, in the 1500s, you had three purposes. You were either a mother, a wife, 
or a prostitute? Well, they weren't a mother. They weren't a wife. So if you read about women in the Reformation, you discover that many nuns were forced to become prostitutes because no one would take care of them. There were no social services. There was no food. There was no place to live. Whether it's the 1500s or today, there's no place for people to live. Every one of our board members has had people live with them because we couldn't find a place for them to go. And they just risked everything. All right, well, we just got to do something. And some of those experiences were great. Some weren't so great. But they were willing to risk, willing to believe that God could do something that they couldn't do. So we have this grand idea that somehow God's going to give us, I don't know, roughly a million bucks, property, land, I have no idea what, so that we can build houses, so that people who find their way out have an actual place to go. Not a place that says you can only be here for one week, one month, 90 days, but no, that's their home, as long as you need to heal, because healing is a lifelong journey. There is no end date to healing. Some people need job skills. And you'd think some people would know stuff, but when you're traumatized, you get locked into that trauma, right? We were just joking around the other day, right? And she was splashing water, and it was hitting my face, and I just froze. And I didn't even realize what I was doing, right? But when, you're, when it's triggered by a memory that's a negative, you just go right there. And you stop functioning, and you go right to surviving whatever that moment was. Healing is a lifelong, and I have a doctorate in therapy. I'm a licensed therapist. I'm a master certified trauma therapist, addiction therapist. I got every kind of credential under the planet, and I still get traumatized. Rainey's got every kind of training in trauma therapy you can imagine. She still gets traumatized, and we will, barring a miracle, for the rest of our lives. But that's okay. We just have to learn and grow, and healing is lifelong. So you have to do something. So maybe you know somebody who's been waiting to give the property we're looking for. I have no idea. And it doesn't have to be us. It just has to be someone who's making a difference. The other thing we do is when we started, we had no idea what God was going to do. And now we have these little chapters popping up, little groups of people. Some are motorcyclists because, you know, that's a cool thing. Um, and some don't ride but want to get involved. And so we have, like, chapter groups which ride motorcycles. And we have affiliate groups that do... Everything, but just don't happen to ride. We partner with churches. We partner with churches who have their own ministry against trafficking, and we help them in any way, in every way. Sometimes we, they want to be like a Bikers Against Trafficking group in their church. We'll help, we'll help anybody do anything, and we don't even have to be mentioned. If anything happens today, it would be amazing if you simply would decide individually to do something to make a difference. Even if that just means when you walk down the road, you will be aware. You won't look away. But what would even be better is if you guys started a ministry to fight human trafficking. I will warn you, you won't get a lot of help. It's not a cool thing because you can't posterize the people that you help. You can kind of say, well, we helped this many people, but you can't really give names. You can't show up a nice sign. 
And so there's going to be people that like want to give to see something. Like they want to meet the person that they help, and that's just not going to happen. We've had all kinds of people offer us all kinds of money to meet the people that we help. We will never allow it. Because that's not why we do what we do. We work at a treatment center that we own, like dogs, <laughs> to do this. Everybody that works with Bikers Against Trafficking volunteers their time. We don't take any of that money for us. Because we believe somebody needs to make a difference. You guys could make an amazing difference. In this area, working with this task force, they will help you, we will help you. Any which way you want to go. But you could make a difference. You could drive the stake and say, we are going to make sure it doesn't happen here. Because it is happening here. And we'll do anything and everything to help you. If you want to know how to do it, we'll come up here. We'll camp in here. We'll do whatever. We'll, we will help you. No strings attached. We don't want anyone else to go through anything. Do you guys have any questions? Now, I'm going to buffer the questions, because if you ask some questions, I'll say, well, that's a good question, but we're not going to answer that, and we'll move on. But do you have any questions about Rainy or anything in particular? Or about human trafficking? Well, we... Th oh, Yes. of it takes place in the U.S.? In the D.C. FCC. We know that um, if you're in the DCF system, it's close to 80% of people are going to experience being trafficked or sexually molested, without a doubt. DCF is doing the best they can, but they simply can't keep up. They just can't keep up. So in the DCF system, they do a very noble job, and they are trying like crazy. But there's such high turnover, and roughly 80-some percent of those kids are going to end up being in that world. And, by the way, there's all kinds of organizations looking for foster care um, homes that will take a child, right, that is or has been trafficked. And that's, those people are heroes, any foster parent is a hero. Those people can only take one because those kids just need a little bit extra love, patience, care, and they will test every nerve you have. And then some. And then some. But you will see God do things that you never thought. When I was in college, right, at the age of 18, I was walking out of the cafeteria and I was a religion major. Because at that point, I realized the only reason I was alive was because God saved me and protected me. I didn't know God then. He just did it. 
I went to a private high school that was just terrible. All kinds of things happened, and I ran off and got trafficked in Canada from that. But eventually, I got to this Christian college, and I was walking out of the cafeteria after playing a football game, so I was all sweaty. And up the steps come, came the campus chaplain, the pastor of the church that was connected to that school. When he saw me, he stopped, and he was in shock. And what came out of his mouth was, what are you doing here? And I just blew him off and kept walking. God can do miracles. He can use people that you don't think he can use. He can use you. He can turn you into the mightiest warrior on this planet. It doesn't matter if you're outgoing or shy. I was so shy that as a ministerial student, the first time they had me call for the offering, I got sick. I couldn't, I mean, I had to get up and I froze. Like I, this is, and I wrote every word, just call for the offering. I couldn't do it. God can change anything and everything within you if you just let him. I don't know, we could talk forever. Yeah. Right, so if you see something, right, try to get as much evidence. So if you happen to see a vehicle, like we, one of the ladies that works with us was walking her dog, saw these young girls sitting at a curb, scantily dressed. It was a cold day in Florida, but freezing cold, right? And the, the trafficker was all bundled up nice and warm, and she sent, took pictures and sent them to us. So she said something. We sent them directly to our contacts in the FBI, and within a week, that situation was all changed. So you can take evidence, just don't put yourself in danger, but collect as much data as you can. If you see something and you just say, hey, that's wrong, or if you see somebody, you're like, ah, oh, it just doesn't feel good, go, like if it's here, go to the pastor and say, look, I know, I'm just telling you what I saw, I'm not trying to judge. Don't try to um, approach the girls or the situation yourself because you will put them in more jeopardy. But if you so, if whatever you can get data-wise, you tell somebody or you call the number on the back of that card or you text help to be free, right? Because at least you go to the next step. And they will investigate, right? You can't call DCF and report it. Bless their hearts, they don't follow up on those reports, they don't take them. Um, for whatever reason, they just are overwhelmed and that, that's just not going to work. We know. We've tried to do that, right? But I promise you, if you can't find anyone else to send it to, on our, our numbers on the back of that card, call us, leave a message, we'll get back to you. Text us, email us. I promise you, we will follow it through. We'll do whatever has to be done. Yes? Okay, what are things to look for? So in our case, right, you would have seen the perfect kid. And you'd have to look deeper. And if you looked, in my case, you would see the perfect kid. We were always dressed up to the T. My dad was sharp. My mom was sharp. You would have never known. But you have to look deeper. Sometimes you can see kids who are in trouble. They're much more uh, vulnerable, but not always. 
Sometimes it's somebody that um, has a dullness in their eyes, right? They can just be overwhelmed or something can be happening to them. Sometimes they don't make eye contact because you're taught a lot of times don't make eye contact. But other times you're taught make eye contact because we want you to be normal. And if they figure out that it's not, there's hell to pay for you. Sometimes it's subtle. Like one of the things, if people knew what was going on in my life, right, my dad would never allow anybody into our home. So we had friends and everything else, but no one ever came to our house, right? It was a very controlled environment of who came in, but we could go other places. And so sometimes you can see the signs, and sometimes you absolutely cannot. You really have to pray and just, like, God, help me to see something that's not really seeable for a lot of people. Would you want to add? You know, there's always the basic stuff that you hear, you know, notice how they're dressing and, you know, are they dressing provocatively? How are they behaving? Um, You know, are their actions age appropriate? Are they over-sexualized? Or, you know, their comments, you know, their language, things of that nature, you know, tattoos, you know, there's always those things that you can find on any internet search. Um, so I think the things that we try to get out there are those things that most people don't talk about. You know, like Doc was saying, the fact that if you'd have looked at us, it, it literally was like picture perfect. And in a lot of the situations with some of the kids that, you know, that we deal with, that's one of the things that you'll notice is it's very cookie cutter. It's almost like, you know, beaver cleaver. You know, it's so picture perfect. So you you have to be looking deeper. It's, the perfection is almost eerie. That you're like, what's, that just doesn't seem normal. Nobody's that well behaved, you know what I mean? Um, that kid that you know never really lines up with the parents like I never stood in a line with my father I always stood back you know and I see kids all the time with their parents and, and they're you know they walk in a line I never would have dreamed I never touched my father. You know, so those things should have raised some sort of a flag. I never spoke to my father unless I was spoken to. So somebody should have noticed something was kind of probably off, but nobody ever did. You can also see it in the medical field. You know, when we used to go to the doctor, I would run in and hide under the chair. Okay, and so there was always things, and the doctor should have said, well, what's going on? But they didn't. They just, you know, here's a sucker. Bring, you know, it, you have to just, it's so hard to start looking through that filter because then it, you would feel dirty almost, like you're like, oh, it could be everybody, right? And it does take an acclimation, but then you start to see. It's amazing. Like, I remember when I bought, I drive a, a four-wheel drive Titan pickup, right? Uh, diesel now. But before that, um, I had never really heard of Titan, right? I was raised in Ford country. Everybody had Ford, you know, and so I drove Ford pickup. So 
I never even realized that they were really out there until I st started looking and doing the research and I thought, oh, I'm going to check out the Titans. And then all of a sudden I saw them everywhere. It's like, what, they, have they always been here? Right? It's traffic, watching people who are going through it, it's like that. Once you tune in, you start seeing it everywhere. Right? And that's the good and the bad because it is scary. But you have to tune in. And once you do, you will start to see it. But even then, you can choose to look away. Right? But I, I am a firm believer that the Holy Spirit does lead, guide, convict, teach, and guide us. Right, And so if you tune in, he will guide you. It's not a maybe. right? And so if you ask him, Lord, show me, I truly believe you will see things, probably that you don't want to see, but you will then be a catalyst for help. Other questions or anything? You know, if you've ever experienced it or you know someone who's experienced it, don't be afraid to ask for help either, right? There's good therapists and there's not so good therapists, right? Which means they just don't know how to handle it. The brain just is very distorted when trauma happens, right? Unless somebody knows inadvertently they might do something, right? And we, you know, especially church people, we love to hug and embrace. But a survivor, right, someone who's gone through being trafficked, you have to ask permission to touch them because your touch is going to trigger them. Even when I was a pastor, right, I remember one time my worship leader put his hand on the back of me and I about had a stroke. You just can't do it. You've got to kind of ease in there. Hey, Zito, it's just programmed, right? And so you have to kind of like, hey, is it, right? Because it, it's just different. Um, any other questions or anything real fast? All right, well, you know what? Once again, we're very thankful that you guys endured this morning. Um, thanks for having us here, and we, we will pray for you that God does something and bursts something here that's going to be transformational, right? Once again, on that table, if for some reason you feel like you want a shirt, they're like, you can buy one. If you want some free stuff, it's over there. Everybody, these bracelets are free, right? They say bikersagainsttrafficking.org and the little saying. There's reddish, orange, and black. There's business cards. There's brochures and information. And stickers and temporary tattoos, too. So, I mean, just rate. Take what you want. So, all right. Watch those steps. Thank you, church. You may be seated, and you can turn mine down, okay? Can I have the house lights down? And I'm not going to be here for just a moment. And let's bypass what I was going to ask, and let's just have some quiet background music. And um, let me come down, because he did, correct? He sure did. He came down, and he lived among us. Did he not? Yes, he did. Jesus came down, and he lived among us. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you, since I've been here for 30 years, I have been teaching in this house, thank you, man of God, that there are false teachers and false prophets and false pastors. I've been trying to get that to you. I've added something to what Doc was talking about because my responsibility is safety and security. And after Parkland... <clears throat> The safety people, that would be the sheriff's departments, they said 
these comments, which you just heard a little bit ago, if you see something, say something, I've added something to that. Do something. And certainly don't run up to that person. No, 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 no. Dig deep, get the information, and report it. Don't just see something and say something. Let's do something. Okay? So the first thing I want you to remember as a pastor, I'm a shepherd under the shepherd. I watch all the time. Who's here? Why are they here? What are they doing? And don't bring your junk to me about you're being judgmental. That's your thoughts, not mine. <laughs> God called Robin and I here to be shepherds over people's lives. And wherever there are sheep, there will be wolves. This is not the real me. Like, I would never even have said that outside of Christ. But because I'm in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and I'm a warrior on the front line, I'll say it again. Wherever you see sheep, you will find wolves. So I'm watching all the time. Just like when I watch on a campus and I go to all 11 campuses, when I'm in this house, I'm watching all the time. What you doing here? Why are you here? What's your motives? What's your intent? What you got on your mind? Why are you touching those girls like that? Why are you looking at that little boy like that? Again, pastor, you're being judgmental. That's your thoughts, not mine. I'm being a shepherd watching what God has called me to watch. His people to make sure you're safe. On our school campuses are resource officers. They're called first responders. Do you know that pastors who've been ordained and called of God, we are to be first responders. What's that mean? If I see a wolf, I'm coming. I don't have a gun. I got more than that. Come on, church. I'm just trying to show you how dangerous the hour is in which we're living. In a moment, I'm going to ask if there are those who would like to stand and go, God, equip me. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Not what Dennis is doing. No, 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 no. I'm lining up with what he's doing. Man, I want to be a part of this. Man, I want to be a part of what you're doing, Father. Because those stories are overwhelming. And I even kind of tapped Robin and I said, Phew, this is even more than what was out at CF. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment, and you've got the rest of the day, right? You're going to have a chance to stand and say, Father, equip me. Let me play my role in the kingdom to help others. Sound good? Yeah? How, how, I mean, I just got to make sure. How many of you want to be around warriors in the kingdom? Okay. I mean, that's what I want. I mean, anybody can go buy a ticket and go to the ball game. I want to talk to those guys that were on the, on the field. I want to talk to those that were on, on the game. God never called us to come set in the stands. He paid a price so that we could get engaged, get involved, and lay our lives down so others whew, could experience life and eternal life. Yeah? How many have been blessed by the information? Like, whoa. How many have had some tools placed in your toolbox? It was powerful. Now, do me a favor, please. 
Notice how I changed the tone of my voice? If you desire to speak with Doc and Rainey, please do me a favor. Don't ask any ridiculous questions. Please don't do that. Don't do that. Just say, hey, thank you so much. Don't ask questions that don't need to be asked. Think about if you were in those shoes. Would you want that? What are you doing right there, Pastor? Putting a hedge of protection around those that God sent here to serve today so that they can walk out of here going, wow, man, the Lord did something in my life too. And there are legitimate people in there and they have a shepherd who's watching over the flock. So please interrupt. I'm, I'm sure they'll give you a few moments, but don't go up there and go, hey, I want to ask you a question. You see what I did? Are you watching? I didn't go to them. I went to Robin. Can I talk to you? What was that like when you were three years? Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm protecting. That's my calling. Oh, by the way, I'm almost done. I, I, there's such an anointing on your lives. I just got to break that down a little bit. <laughs> Dude, you're so called to God. <laughs> it's huge, man. There's such a huge calling on your life. I'm, I'm not a show person, okay? I'm really being legit right here. There is a high calling on your life. I did an elbow to Robin, and I said, yeah, that's a special man right there. Pure fault. Yeah, I did. This is a special house. How many desire to be equipped? Really, truly equipped. You just want to be equipped. Some of you are on campuses. Some of you are in the community. Some of you are in different levels. But you're just saying, look, see, God didn't ask me to equip you right now. No, no. He's asking, are you willing to be equipped? God's always looking for volunteers. And he'll never do this. Come on, I want you on the front line. Man, if you don't want that, get off that. Okay? But you're willing. How many are willing to say something, see something, do something? Willing to do that? That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Okay? I was over, and the parents are here this morning, I was over at Whispering Winds, doing safety and security, not the drill, in the classroom. And those kids were all over it. They want to be safe. So do people out there. Let's go. Yes, let's go. And let's give God everything he deserves, which is who we are, created by him to do good things for those that are in great need. Yes? Here's your opportunity. Oh, by the way, Doc, guess, guess what you get to do? You get to be the one to close in prayer. <laughs> I'd like for you to pray in just a moment. How many would be willing to stand and say, Pastor, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit, not you, Dennis Weber. I want the Holy Spirit to equip me with the tools in the kingdom toolbox so I can make a difference wherever I go, into the highways and by. Would you stand with me, please? Cross this room. <laughs> I'm more fired up at this age of my life than I've ever been. Come on up, Doc, man of God. So Robin and I went to a live on, well, we, man, we've been in church too much this week. 
going to pray in just a second. So uh, Monday night, we went and heard uh, John. Come here, sweetheart. Poor baby, she got that thing. She, that's why Carolina couldn't beat Clemson. They just could not get that play out. I love you, girl. Could you tell the people? Can you? Oh, beautiful. What did John Gray say Monday night? What was the theme of his message? Keep the door open. Yep. Keep the door open. I'm asking right now that you will. And you transfer it back. Thanks, sweetheart. Thank you, baby. Stay close. Stay close. Stay close. <laughs> John Gray, anointed man of God. He's inviting the people of God. Leave the door open. Leave the door open. And then Friday night, Pastor Ken at a live church. Oh, my goodness. The anointing of God was off the chain. And he's looking for vessels who will say, Equip me. Okay. Let's pretend we're in the classroom. You all ready? If all of you agree with me this morning, I'd like for you to raise your hand. We're standing on equipment, right? Being equipped. Ready? Come here one more. That's you right, Doc. Come here, baby. I'll get you out of here. You got the rest of the day. Friday night, she made me go to church. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Listen, if you look like this right now, when you're out there, man, they're gonna run from you. Like, ah! You gotta open up. You gotta be real. You gotta be alive. Pastor Ken, his whole theme was Can you tell him? Because that's what I'm gonna ask him. I can't do it again, girl. Encounter. Do what? Encounter. Who? God. Yo, look this way. I'm not trying to teach. I'm trying to just give you some information. Pastor Ken said, <laughs> Pastor Ken said, Christians are more interested in fellowship than in fellowship. That's true. Man, he wants you to have fellowship with him. So now, here we go. How many are willing to agree? Because if you're not willing to have an encounter, he can't equip you. If you're not willing to encounter God, he can't equip you. Because you'll sabotage the game plan. How many are willing to raise your hand with me right now and say, I want an encounter with, thank you, Pastor Ken. I want an encounter with God. Wow, look at this, Robbie. <laughs> All of us. Pastor Ken, you're anointed of God. Good. All right, give it to the man of God. <laughs> He's going to pray over us. <laughs> We're asking God to encounter us. We want to encounter you, not trying to be religious. And then would you please put in our toolbox the equipment that we need to go out and begin doing a work for your kingdom. Yes? Y'all ready? All right, here we go. All right, so do me one favor. Move closer and grab. Let's just make a chain of people. Lord Jesus. Right, grab somebody's hand. Wow, God's here. Dude, God's here. The Lord is here. I'm sure there's soap in the bathroom, so don't worry. So cool. We're going to pray. God, we thank you. Wow, this is incredible. God's here. All right, you guys ready? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, you tell us where two or three are gathered, you are there. And Lord, you are here. And it has absolutely nothing to do with us. 
It has everything to do with you. So Father, only you can pour out your spirit. There was a time in the apostles' life, Lord, where they got going and they burned out. And then they prayed that you would fan it back and they were refilled. So Father, refill me. Refill us. Father, we want to leave this place with such an anointing on our lives that it wouldn't be fake. It wouldn't be even something you try. It's just there. And it would just glow out and people would look at us and say, whoa, what, what's different about you? So Father, please fire up your spirit within us and let us never be the same. It does not matter what we did before we got here. The sins, the bad, the yuck, the crap that happened to us. Lord, please take it all away. Yes, Lord. Heal us and restore us right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, fill us up and put us on angel wings. And Lord, when we leave this place, I pray we would never, ever be the same. Father, do the miracle that only you can do. And Lord, I pray for a special blessing on Pastor Dennis too. Father, it's not easy. It is not easy carrying the yoke you've placed upon him. And I just pray that you would bring more people around to help him carry it. That it would never be about him, it would always be about you. Maybe this son, Lord, as well. And every single person here. Anoint this church, anoint this place. And Father, make Chieflin a bright light. You can do a miracle. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's give the Lord praise in this place. That's awesome. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.